In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. Good evening, viewers. We're so glad that you could be with us tonight. Um, we've This month, we've been talking about creation, God's creation, and uh, all of the wonderful things uh, that God has made so that we can be comfortable in this world. And uh, we've talked about uh, how we need to steward God's creation. And uh, that's been a wonder. That was a wonderful discussion last week. And But we can't really talk very far about creation without talking about the world's viewpoint of evolution. And so tonight we're going to talk about the science that surrounds creation and also, it, you know, about evolution because, uh, Allison, it's such a danger to our young people and to all Absolutely. of us, really. Absolutely. Yeah. So like she said, we've been talking about creation this month and, um, I really want to talk about the science of it because I do. Uh, there have been some studies done, and the statistics show that the um, disconnect between science and Christianity is the number one reason that our young people fall away from the church, especially when they go away to college. Mm -hmm. This is like our house is on on fire, and we need to pay attention to this. We need to wake up. Um, a lot of our young people feel like churches are out of step with the scientific world. They believe that Christianity is anti-science and it simply is not true. Um, we're losing our kids because of this. And I think another reason is, you know, I know as a parent, when my children were teenagers, I was very focused on, well, the standard things, you know, purity, don't drink, don't hang out with the wrong people, the standard things. But we as parents, especially of young children, need to wake up and focus on some of these things, because like I said, we are losing our children due to some of these things. And um, I want to say also that I think a lot of people say you, we hear so much from scientists that Christianity and believing that God created the world is ludicrous. And I think a lot of Christians have kind of bought into that. And they think, well, you know, saying that even though science disagrees with what the Bible says, you know, it, that's okay. We just have to have faith. And, and that's not true. In fact, in Romans um, 1 verses 19 and 20, it says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his internal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. I you know, Allison, that is, I mean, it's right there. And there's no reason for us as Christians to fear science or to, think that it's just the opposite of 
creation and godliness. And I'm so glad that you're going to be bringing this lesson to us tonight. So I'm going to back out and let you okay. go right with it. Okay. Um, go ahead and bring up my PowerPoint here. We're going to talk about creation and science. Um, here, let's, let's first talk about what is evolution and what is um, creation. Okay, so here's evolution. Evolution is defined as the process of growth and development or the theory that organisms have grown and developed from past organisms. Okay, I, I, I do want to say that a lot of the scientific terms will be a little overwhelming, but if you'll stick with me, I will do the best that I can to kind of break it down for you. Um, the theory of evolution is based on the idea that all species are related and gradually change over time. Okay, so now let's move to creation or intelligent design. Now, I will say through this talk tonight, I will use the terms creation, intelligent design, um, designed, created. Those words, they're all the same thing. God made it. That's what that means. Okay. So creation or intelligent design is the theory that life or the universe cannot have arisen by chance and was designed and created by some intelligent entity. Okay. So here we have these two theories, creation or intelligent design. And I want to talk to you about some things that are just not religious discussion. This is a scientific observation. So the first thing I want you to look at is here is a rock. It is formed just in a natural way. When you look at that, you say, oh, it's a rock. Okay. So when you look at this rock, you say, okay, wait, is that time and chance or is that intelligent design? Well, when you look at the arrowhead, it's been carved. It, I believe that the most logical conclusion is the reason that the second rock looks like an arrowhead is because an intelligent being took a rock and formed it that way. So you have time and chance and intelligent design. Okay. So here's another example. When you look at sand of the desert, okay, it is an observable fact that when you leave a bunch of sand out there and there's wind and no trees, this is what the sand looks like. That is an observable scientific fact, okay? When you look at something like this, okay, so that's time and chance. When you look at something like this and you see this sand, ask yourself, is the most logical conclusion that time and chance did this to this beach? No, the, the most logical conclusion is that somebody came out there and did that design. It That is the most logical conclusion that this is intelligent design. Okay, one more. When you see origami, you see this, what is it, a swan? I don't know. Okay, is that time and chance or a created design? Did an intelligent being do that? Have you ever walked into a room and just seen a piece of paper that has folded it into itself into this? No. The most logical conclusion is because it is more um, organized, because there is some thought and some intellect um, in it, the most logical conclusion is that an intelligent being folded this. 
Okay, so let's move on to something a little more complex. Okay, we're going to talk about a bacteria. We're not talking about an entire person or an animal. We are talking about one small organism. We're going to talk about a bacteria. And specifically, we're going to talk about the tail or the flagellum of this bacteria. Okay. The bacterial flagellum is a rotary nanomotor that actually, that allows bacteria to propel itself through liquid um, as a machine and self-assembles on the nanoscale. Okay. It self-assembles on a nanoscale. Just contemplate that for a moment. Okay. It has 30 functioning parts and this is just the tail. Okay. They all work at the same time. It goes 100,000 RPMs, okay? There are rotors, stators, O-rings, bushings, U-joint, a drive shaft. How many times have you walked into your garage and you said, oh, here are rotors, stators, O-rings, bushings. It's going at 100,000 RPMs. It must be time and chance. Uh, no, never. That, that does not happen. This is too complex to have happened by itself. You see, if you look at the arrowhead and your logical conclusion is that that was intelligent design. If you look at this beach and you say an intelligent being did that. If you look at the origami and you say, obviously a person did that. How can you look at something as complex as this bacteria and say, oh, no, 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 no. Now that is time and chance. To me, that is not the most logical scientific conclusion. And I, I just wonder, how can that self-assemble? And, you know, when you think about evolution, it has to start off at one level and then get more complex and more complex. If you just had rotors and stators, but not the bushings and the you or whatever. I don't even know what all those things are, but I know they're complex. And if you can't get them in a manner where it starts off simple and gets more and more gradually more complex. Okay. And so let's talk about um, Charles Darwin in the origin of the species says, if it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed, which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. Uh, let's think about that. Charles Darwin is saying, if it can't do it little by little by little, then his whole thing breaks down. That's, that's incredible to me. So one of the things that is just amazing to me, um, I think is the human eye. I don't know. I, I'm sure there is an answer that an evolution an evolutionist would say, but it has so many things that the eye, that you can see something, that it translates into your brain and you can describe it verbally to somebody else and they can see the same thing. It is amazing. Your eye can process 36,000 bits of information every hour. In fact, eye transplants, are we can't do them because the optic nerve is so complex. You can't regenerate, um, what are they, the, the cells in your eye. You can't, do, we can't do it. We aren't 
advanced enough to do this. And yet, supposedly something this advanced happened by chance. It just seems impossible to me. In fact, I think it was an intelligent design. I think the most logical scientific conclusion for something this advanced is that the Lord God Almighty created it. Um, so here, what I want to do is I, I want to show you a video. And one of the hardest things for me to comprehend is the jump from ooze or sludge to a living cell. And I have a little video that I want us to watch. It is Ben Stein interviewing Michael Roos, a philosopher of science from um, Florida State University. So let's watch this. We get from an inorganic world to the world of the cell. Well, one popular theory is that it might have started off on the backs of crystals. Molecules piggybacked on the back of crystals forming and that this led to more and more complex. But of course, the nice thing about crystals is every now and then you get mistakes, mutations, and that this opens the way for natural selection. But, but at one point there was not a living thing. Yeah. And then there was a living thing. How did that happen? Well, this is the, I've just told you. And I don't see any reason why you shouldn't go from very simple to more and more complex to more and more I complex. I don't either, I don't either, but I don't know how you get from mud to a living cell. That's my question. Yes, well, I've told you. you I think it's on the backs of crystals. Try one more time. On the backs of crystals. Over the backs of crystals is at least one hypothesis, yes. So, so that's your theory, and you think that is more likely and less far-fetched than intelligent design? I think it is. So I don't think that the most logical conclusion is that time and chance happened to do that. In fact, I, I kind of want to ask the audience, um, what do you believe is one of the greatest flaws in the theory of evolution? What I'd like to hear from some of you to see what your thoughts are as well. I just feel like there are so many. So I want to move on to some laws of science that are contradictory to the theory of evolution. Okay, so before I go on, one of the things that scientists do is they use intimidating terminology, okay? And um, I, I don't want that to scare you off. I'm going to break it down for you. It, it's not going to be hard at all, okay? So we're going to talk about one law that I believe evolution is completely blown away by. Okay, so we're going to talk about the first law of thermodynamics. Okay, don't get scared. It's okay. It really is just, it means matter can neither be created or destroyed. So, um, according to space.com, the first law of thermodynamics tells us the amount of energy in the universe is constant and can neither be destroyed nor created. So, now if matter cannot be created or destroyed, how do you get the Big Bang Theory? How do you get this small atom that explodes into everything? How, how, how does that happen? It, according to the first law of thermodynamics, the Big Bang Theory is impossible. It defies the laws of science. This law, um, thermodynamics, of thermodynamics. Albert Einstein, actually, here's a quote from him. Classical thermodynamics, the only physical theory of the universe 
universal content concerning which I am convinced that it will never be overthrown. He was seriously bought into the fact that matter cannot be either created or destroyed. There's another scientist. His name is Isaac Isamov. And um, he's a professor of biochemistry at Boston University. Okay. And he says, all that anyone can say is that in over a century and a quarter of careful measurements, scientists have never been able to point to a definitive violation of energy conservation. Energy conservation is the same, basically the same term as the first law of thermodynamics. Either in the familiar everyday surroundings about us or in the heavens above or in atoms within. So here is someone who believes in the theory of evolution that is saying we have never seen in a century and a quarter anything that comes even close to matter being created out of nothing. So how is the most scientific answer that it, it just seems that it, it's defying the laws of science? How is the most scientific answer evolution? It, it simply cannot be. So let's move on to the second law of thermodynamics, okay? And this is basically that things decay. They don't get more organized. And we were talking about this in a previous episode where I said it would be like saying I have a house and I opened up all the windows and the doors and I left it for a year. And then I came back and the house was perfectly clean. There was a cake on the um, counter and there was an extra bedroom in the back. That is illogical. And yet the theory of evolution is a million times more complex and more difficult. It completely defies the second law of thermodynamics. Things do decay. In fact, when you talk about evolution, it is a series of things getting more complex and more complex and more complex and more complex. And yet the second law of thermodynamics says that simply cannot happen. It doesn't happen. And even scientists who believe in evolution are saying we have never seen it before. So how do we get to this thing where the most logical conclusion is evolution? I believe that science is the, is the answer to creation. They are completely in sync, the most logical conclusion. I feel like the Genesis account of creation and science go hand in hand. The thing that's upsetting is that our schools are only explaining things from the perspective of evolution. In fact, it is usually the only thing that um, it is usually the only thing that um, they is presented to our children. And most people are demeaned and belittled if they believe it. In fact, people have been denied higher level learning because they're a creationist, because they say it's anti-science. And yet their explanations completely defy. Um, I see we have a comment here. Dana Burke has said, 
one of the greatest flaws I believe is real evidence. It always comes back to how does something come from nothing? Yes. First law of thermodynamics. We can talk all day about evolutionary theory yet can never explain something from nothing. Yes. Thank you, Dana. Exactly. You are right. You can be on my team. Yes. It doesn't make sense. And that's what I just want most parents and most people out there to understand. I feel like I have most of my life, especially in science classes, have been made to feel like all the scientists are holding all the cards and all the facts are there. And if you believe in God, it's just a faith thing and it just doesn't matter. In fact, um, I do, I, I want to bring Miss Isla back in and um, she's a former principal and I'd love for her to talk about um, how evolution is presented in our schools. Um, it's interesting, Allison, that you said for years and years and years, this has just been pushed. Evolution has been pushed on us. I remember when I was a million years ago, when I was in junior high school and a science teacher was talking about evolution and how, and I, I asked, I said, could my daddy, who was a preacher, could he come in and talk some about creation? And the scientist said, I mean, the teacher said, sure. That would be fine. So daddy came in and he presented a lesson. I don't remember any of the lessons. I just remember really, really being proud that my daddy could come in and talk about creation and how it was, you know, in opposition to evolution. But it has always been pushed at, at young people. And some te teachers uh, more than others, some teachers who really uh, believed in evolution and really thought it was the answer would really push it hard in their classes and the other teachers who did not believe in would just sort of, you know, right. but as more and more uh, in the last, I don't know, 20 years, we've had state standards and national standards, the national science, uh, let's see what I have the state, I forget the name of national science teaching association has really been pushing evolution. And they've really, you know, tried to get more and more uh, standards that uh, say evolution is the answer. Uh, and they made it really extremely difficult, if not impossible, for the teacher who uh, is a Bible-believing person, a God-fearing man or woman, and who understands uh, that creation is the answer, that it's made it really impossible for them to be able to just ignore evolution or teach it as, you know, another theory or something. Um, there was a, um, a survey done. Sorry, I lose words. There was a survey done in, in 2007 and found that only 51% of science teachers uh, in the nation were only teached evolution as the only answer. But by 2019, as more and more of these state science standards were adopted, it was up to 67% who only who taught evolution only was the answer. And of course, diminishing it in equally those people that taught, you know, there were two theories or those that just ignored evolution altogether to teach creation. And that's really made it really hard for uh, again, for Bible-believing, God-fearing right. science teachers to continue in the public schools because they're violating their conscience when they teach something that they don't believe is true. 
and it's, as I said, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, you could teach what you thought ought to be taught, but now it's harder to, and it makes it even worse for our kids because in order to pass to the next grade, in order to graduate, they've got to put the right answers on the test, uh, regardless of what their faith is and what their understanding is. I'm so glad for us to be presenting this lesson tonight so that parents can see what's being taught and what's wrong about what is being taught, that science is not. And I feel like we're right. made to feel like if you believe in creation, that God created the world, that it's sort of an eye roll. You know, even the, the video that we showed, it was like, okay, I'll tell you again. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm sort of like, you're telling me that some mud somehow got on a crystal and that's where all life came from. Yeah. It just because there seem to be mutations and that that's the theory. Mm -hmm. That is not scientists holding all the cards. Right. That is not the most logical conclusion. Mm -hmm. no. But I do think that it's very important that parents are aware mm -hmm. that this is going on and our, our, we are losing our kids over the, these issues right here. And I, they're mowing us over. And, and the problem is with parents uh, is that the kids don't come home quite often and say, Hey, you know, this is, and they don't do that. They just listen and it's in their head and, and they just, they begin to form that, well, mom and dad are, they're out of sync and they're saying this, but they don't really know. And we don't find it out that that's in their head until after they've left our homes. You yeah. know? And so it's, you know, and that's bad. We've got to really proactively talk to our kids and grandkids about that. Yeah. I mean, it, I believe that it takes, a whole lot more faith to believe that time and chance created everything, especially when it defies several of the laws of science. It, it that takes a whole lot more faith than believing an intelligent being created. Right. That Absolutely. is that is illogical to me. And right. I think a lot of Christians don't realize, hey, you know what? That does make sense. Who knew? God knew what was going on from the beginning. Who knew? Mm -hmm. You know, but it's like, oh, yeah, we just need to remind each other like, mm -hmm. hey, we are holding all the cards. We have all the answers. Even sometimes we find out later. Oh, yeah, it says that in the Bible. Wow. We knew that already. Incredible. Right. <laughs> so I just want to close out by reading a scripture. Psalm 1, um, 119, 90 and 91. It says, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day for all your things are your servants. And when things are exponentially more organized, it doesn't say time and chance. There are no examples. Even people who believe in evolution will tell you, there are no examples of this. There are no examples of something coming from nothing. And there are no examples of things getting more and more organized. It is it, the second law of thermodynamics. And I believe that the laws of science only support intelligent design and not evolution. 
And we've got another live comment that we want to post as well from Dana. And we appreciate her participating with us this afternoon, this evening rather. We must be intentional and deliberate in teaching our kids the differences between creation and evolution. And that's so true. We can't wait until the, our kid comes and says, hey, what about this? Oftentimes it's gotten so into their heads by then that it's hard to get out. We need uh, to be and, proactive and not intimidated by some of the scientific terms. We, right. we, we just need to know. I love this comment uh, Janelle Sharp has. It says, science helps us understand creation. God is not bound by science. It saddened me how people view science as mm -hmm. superior. I, I totally, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I, I, oh, it's one of those Christians, you guys. And they just want to pat you on the head and act yeah. like you don't know what you're talking about. And right. actually the opposite is true. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. cannot have evolution without defying the first and second laws of thermodynamics. You exactly. just can't. Mm -mm. That's exactly right. Uh, this has been a wonderful lesson tonight, Allison. And Great. Uh, so I'm glad that you were uh, had the time and, and uh, took all the time that you did to prepare this and put yeah. it all together. And I, I, uh, let me say this. I had to cut out one of my favorite parts and I was really sad. Um, I love some of the evidences of um, evolution um, being destroyed by there are so many evidences of humans and dinosaurs living at the same time. And mm -hmm. I really, really hope that later on I can do a whole, um, a whole lesson built on that because that fascinates me as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That would be great. That would be really good. There are so many aspects to this um, issue between creation and evolution. And so that uh, we can show and help parents to know, to have information that they can talk with their kids. And, and as I said, it's not something that it's just a young person thing. We're constantly bombarded with it. I love nature shows, but I'm constantly talking back oh. to them. No, that's not what it was. It's not what happened. Right. <laughs> you know? right. I mean, it's it's a constant thing. Yep. So. Disney World, when they mm -hmm. talk about it, it's just, it's constant. Yes. Absolutely. And we just need to fight it all the time. And again, thank you so much for this lesson. And this ends this month of our talking about creation. We didn't mention that Cindy's not with us tonight. Wherever she is, her internet is not good. So we, we have missed her being with us this evening. Uh, but uh, she's had a bit of a break. And those of you that are friends with her on Facebook have seen the fabulous pictures that she's posting of places that they're going, things that they're seeing. So we're missing her tonight, though. But next week, we'll all be together to talk about the Bible. Uh, we're starting a new subject, another foundation uh, for next month. So uh, be sure to tune in next Thursday at 8 o'clock when we're going to be talking about the Bible. And yes, uh, it takes a lot of faith to be an evolutionist. That is so true. And I just don't have that much faith. I know it's just too many things. And evolution violates many scientific principles. 100%. And you've really shown that tonight uh, as well, Alice. Yeah. Yep, that was good. Be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook and YouTube and in our podcast. And what's the other one? Twitter? Am I saying it right? Instagram. Oh, yeah. Instagram, there you go. I don't know. So, 
So anyway, those things. And uh, to be sure to share this, and this is a wonderful program for you to share with uh, friends and family uh, as well. Uh, Tuesday nights, we also are uh, enjoying the lessons brought to us from Answering Religious Error at 8 o'clock on Tuesday nights. And then Wednesdays at noon, uh, religious questions are being answered. And uh, so be sure to contact them with religious questions. Watch those programs. Uh, let's just fill our minds with God's word and uh, the glories of his creation. So again, Allison, thank you so much for a wonderful program. And we'll tell all our viewers good night.